Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are across the globe. We are your hosts, Sean Alvari, and yours truly, Shai Jalayer, and you are about to experience the S2 effect. Kick the intro. I'm very excited to have our, our guest on here today, Sean. Um, I've uh, known him for a few years. I think he's uh, quite honestly, in my opinion, one of the uh, better soccer minds in the country. Um, I think that uh, his, his eye on the game is, is quite special. Um, our guest today is Daniel Matos, uh, a graduate and player of both Penn State and West Florida. Um, Daniel went on to play in uh, the revamped indoor leagues of the U.S., uh, uh, known as Arena Soccer. He played for uh, the Detroit uh, Waza Flow and then the Milwaukee Wave. Uh, and in 2015, when he gained his uh, U.S. national citizenship, um, he then uh, represented us at the U.S. national team level for futsal. Uh, so it's with great pleasure uh, that we, we invite and have Mr. Daniel Matos on our, on our show today. So welcome to the S2 Effect, Daniel. Chai, Sean, it's a pleasure. I'm excited to, to talk about soccer and a little bit about futsal. So let's get started. Cool. Uh, let's get right into it, Daniel. I think, uh, you know, um, obviously, uh, you have a futsal background and uh, I think a big part of that is kind of growing up in Brazil. Uh, and so a lot of people may not know that you're obviously a, a, a Brazil national. Um, so can you just give us a little background on your journey uh, that started in Brazil and then brought you through the US and, and some of the ups and downs that you may have uh, encountered on your way here? Yeah, well, that's a good one. Let me, let me, maybe I'll summarize, but I will start with my passion for soccer as any Brazilian. Of course, you grew up in a country that soccer is the main, the main sport. So I'm originally from Niterói, which is a city in, in, in the regional state. It, Niterói is part of the metropolitan area of Rio. So think of New Jersey, New York, in New York, I'm, I'm from New Jersey. So I'm like right across the bridge of Rio. And <clears throat> Again, from kicking the ball around with my dad and my older brothers um, to the point that a guy who had a kid in a futsal team, hey, saw me like when I was six years old, seven, six years old maybe. Hey, why don't you come play for our, for our club, a futsal? Like, come, come try out. It was a part of the Rio Federation of futsal. So that was a seven years old. So I try out, I made the team. And from that point on, it was just, you know, getting better. And it was an eye-opening for me, for my parents. Like, my, my first season, like, U8, I scored tons of goals. I was the, the top scorer of the league. I, I had, a, like, an amazing left foot to kick the ball from anywhere I, I could. And from that point on, it was all about <clears throat> playing futsal competitive. Um, at that time, uh, turf, 77, or, or any other different number format in Brazil that now it's played, or, or outdoor soccer was non-existent at that age. Um, the, the common path back in the days was futsal until U11, U12. And at U12, which is called the meeting, it's the youth, that's when you start having official regional leagues and tournaments and stuff like that. So that's when I made my transition at U12, uh, a smaller club called Madureira. Um, it's a well-known club in Rio. And eventually moved on to Fluminense, bigger academies, and, and so on and so forth. But when I was eight, 17, 18, when I was jumping around clubs at that point, you know, do I, do I become a pro and not become a pro? Do I have a pro offer? I don't have a pro offer. Um, fin of course, finished high school and everything. That's exactly when I talk about destiny. Crazy. I, I had to make probably the toughest decision of my life. I was playing for this club, Goiás, which is a first division club in Brazil. Um, but it's, it's far, far from Rio. And 
they gave us like a three to three to four days for the for guys out of state to go home and stay with family. It was a vacation or something. It was a break in the tournament, <clears throat> and it was exactly that weekend where they offered me a pro contract, saying, "When you come back, we're gonna sign you and loan you to Atlético Goianiense, like a smaller club, play, get experience, and then you know come back. But you're gonna sign with us." And I went home, and at home, a friend of mine calls me during this four days, five days. Hey, come play, come play this pickup game here for this American coach who is here. And I went and I played. Of course, I was flying. I was, you know, super good shape in everything. And I, I guess the game was 3-0 for my team. I scored two goals and an assist. Did really well. The level was okay. A bunch of guys that were trying to be seen by this American coach. And the American coach was Barry Gorman. Which it's a legend here. The former, um, now what's called United Coaches, uh, United Coaches Association, right? Sorry. United Soccer yeah. Former former president at that time, legend of Penn State, and comes comes up and say, I want to offer you 100% scholarship. And at that time, I had no idea what that meant. I'm like, I'm not going to U.S. I don't want to go to U.S. and play and go to school. My my head was all about coming back to go. But it literally took me like 24 hours, 48 hours to... I don't remember talking to my family, to be honest. I thought it was myself. Like, I don't remember talking to my mom or dad about this. I, re I remember calling my friend who organized this thing, not my friend, this guy that I knew, and saying, hey, you know what? Tell him that I'm in, but just tell me what's, what's the process. And they gave me, he gave me like six months to study English to go and pass the SAT and pass the TOEFL exam, which is an English proficiency test. And I literally called Goyais and say, I'm not coming back. I left all my stuff there. I didn't even go that pick it up, like clothing, shoes, and everything. And I, start, and I started um, studying English. I had a good English days, to be honest, in school, like in Brazil, like most schools, if not all schools have like the same as Spanish here in the US. You learn English, but the basics of the basics. And I was fortunate enough of, from being from a middle, middle class family to do English classes outside of school on and off like some years I would do it depending on my schedule passed the exams and I came like a year less than a year later I came during the summer which is a very smart move by Barry Gorman to put me through summer school before the actual fall season which you know comes full-time scheduled classes and traveling and training so that's how I came Daniel, what I, uh, what a what a fascinating story, and I and I know like sometimes when you're raised in America and your goal is to go to college, get your degree, play, an aspiration of making as a professional after your four year degree, 20, 20, uh, 22 years old, it's kind of like with a silver spoon, not knowing that soccer or football is a poor man's game and all around the world, the struggles, kids like yourself, anyone, the sacrifices having to make as a family to make it happen. In Brazil, I want to kind of go back in your journey in Brazil. What was the, the sport, meaning in beach soccer was it? Um, street soccer, futsal, indoor, that you're like really polished up you as a player? Good question. Um, of course, in Brazil, like you grew up, like, yes, you're playing in all the surface, depending on where you are. And Brazil has a huge coast. I am from the coast. I'm from Rio. And, and literally in my city, I'm, I'm like five to six blocks from the beach. So I had a lot of influence going to the beach and play for my friends. But I was personally not a big fan of beach soccer. I would play some for fun tournaments. Some other friends took more seriously and would play more. But beach soccer is not like very organized, let's put it this way. And since a very young age, I was in the academy path, like at the higher level, trying to be a pro thing. So beach was for fun, right? But I, I got to say, answer your question, I got to say futsal, because that was my very first competitive experience, let's put it this way. And I've always loved it. And I didn't complete the story, but when I 
when I decided not to go back to Goiás and study English to come to U.S., I signed with a futsal team. So my, my last year, as I was studying English, I was playing only futsal for, for, for this club. Um, so it has to be futsal for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on a, uh, a U.S. represented futsal team. At the time, it wasn't sanctioned by U.S. soccer. Uh, and we were in a world championship in Argentina. And one of the things that stood out to me was, um, you know, when I was traveling through the roads and you're, you're driving through the barrios and whatnot, every corner there, there, instead of a basketball court, what we might see here in the United States, there was a, there was a futsal court in, in Argentina. Um, my assumption is that Brazil, it's, it's, it's very similar. Um, I guess my question for you is, is futsal kind of an attachment to the organization of a, a professional club? Or is it very much kind of separate? And is that the magic of futsal? Because I think at the end of the day, even if futsal uh, in, its, in its essence of four versus four that resembles the game and and brings all four moments and your entire spaces, is it still the freedom of being out of an organized structure or is it, is it in Brazil, it's very much part of the professional setup? Great, great question, Shai. Like to be short and direct, I'm gonna say separate. But things have changed and recently. Um, talking to, I, I had the pleasure to play against um, 2015, um, when the Professional Futsal League was launched, the idea was launched in the U.S. I'm not sure if you guys heard it, and unfortunately hasn't came to fruition yet. It hasn't happened yet. But the first um, Professional Futsal game, it was on ESPN3. There's like six or 7,000 people in this arena in Frisco, Texas. It was a combination of players that was part of, like against Barcelona. Right, and the Barcelona coach at the time, um, I had the chance to talk to him like years later at a convention here in the U.S. and talk about the Spanish structure, like about this, like developing players for soccer. And he was like, "You guys in Brazil do completely different than we do in Spain. Like we we treat futsal as a different sport, just like handball. Like in Barcelona here, we have a hand handball, we have ho skate hockey, we have basketball, we have futsal. There's no." Correlation, futsal and soccer. It's a completely different sport. I never felt that way in Brazil. Okay, I never felt that way growing up in Brazil. There are futsal only clubs, okay? But everybody, from coaches to players, everybody's dream is to make to the outdoor game. That's everybody's dream. I, 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 can, I can be certain of this. And then eventually, you find a path in futsal if you don't like outdoor as much when you try to play outdoor. Um, and because there are professional clubs, futsal and, and the, the, the Brazilian professional league, it's, it's pretty well established, you know, the top teams, you know, it's a, it's a good setup, but, um, I'm, I've been surprised that recently, um, what I used to be, what, what, what used to be a fight, right? I'll give an example, me playing for Madureira or Fluminense and having to play for both futsal and outdoor, there was constantly a fight among directors of the futsal department and outdoor, who's gonna take Daniel Matos? Who's gonna take player A, player B for that weekend? Or oh, there's an important game in futsal, but there's an important game outdoor. So the schedules would never work. And kids would have to make a decision. Sometimes we would upset coaches, crazy. Um, but now, in my recent, my most recent visit to Brazil during the Copa America last summer, I, I spent time within club so I, I went to Flamengo I had friends coaching I have directors who are still friends of mine I went to Fluminense I spent a full day there and I saw things that I've never thought I would see schedules coordinated on the wall like who's coming to training who's going to outdoor who's going to futsal so this is started a, a little bit longer than I thought with Santos Santos is the one that has done a very very good job with that and you guys, I'm sure you guys know all the names coming out of there, like Robinho, Diego, and 
Neymar, the, now Rodrigo for Real Madrid, all these guys are futsal players. They all come from their futsal program. Um, but again, um, futsal serves as a contributor to outdoor, but it has its separate way. It has its, its separate world, let's put it this way, in Brazil. <clears throat> Daniel, I have a fascination with Brazil. I really, I mean, I grew up and, and you know, my favorite player is Ronaldinho. I'm not, I'm a fan of it. I'll, I'll go down as saying he's the best I will ever see that I've seen um, just in the, the, the style he played. You know, the only player that I've seen was so competitive, but with a smile on his face. And I think that was the true resemblance of Brazil, the culture. And during that era of 1998 to 2006, from the airport commercial oh, to, yeah. to the Jogo Bonito, how they commercialized the culture of Brazil, the favelas, how they go in the streets trying to go day in, day out for tryouts. He got cut again. The kid's going home again figuring out how to get fed and then find another way to get it. It's in their blood. Their whole dream is, can they make it from the favelas, make that thing, be the meal ticket and make it out. Can we kind of go into, we know from the outside in how much Brazil loves the game, how competitive it is. You being there, how competitive is it really? If we can talk about your own experience, because I know as a kid growing up, you were probably your goal was be for the top club, represent the national team. But it, I think sometimes it's easier said when you're in a different country. In Brazil is a different animal. And I want you kind of to go into as a personal experience you've had in um, the culture it is. That's, that's a great one. Um, talking about it's... It, it's been my, my, my toughest job as a, as, a, as a coach in America, right? Um, coaching pay to, in the, into the pay-to-play system has been to cope with the mentality of, and, and this mentality of players is affected by generation, different in generation, but also the culture of the country itself. And, and, Let's let's put it this way. I, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell like from experience, like an honest situation. My, my first outdoor club was Madureira, this club that I told you at 12 years old. So I played there two seasons, and we won the Rio de Janeiro State in both. And that's the reason why I was selected, invited to go to Fluminense. I didn't try out for Fluminense. I actually was a come. Actually, my coach. <laughs> The coach from Madureira went to Fluminense and took me and three other guys to the team, which was already very good. So, and Madureira, I will never forget this. Every Monday is a tryout. Every Monday there's a player trying to get your spot there, right? And you look in that warm-up and you're looking at who's warming up, who, can, who is coordinator, who is not, who is good, who is not. And then it comes all this competitive among kids, right? Uh, that kid is trying to get my my best friend's spot on the team. I'm not gonna pass the ball to him. And all these little things, all the boy from boycotting to supporting to going through the adversity of like making the team, of dealing with that kid is coming from the president's recommendation. It's the coach's niece, son type of thing. All this happens, and, and that's every week in a club in Brazil. No matter, no matter what level, if it's Madureira, smaller club, and Fluminense was much worse, way, way worse. But that's when it comes the agent aspect. There's a kid coming from the north of Brazil, and he's already installed at the um, residence program. He's here for a week. So if he's here for a week, if they're flying this kid in for a week here, it's got to be good. They won't really want to see. And he's here to take your spots. So next day, I could be getting a call and say, you're going home. You know what I mean? Um, but again, it, it's, it just adds the competitive nature of, of the sport and there's pros and cons about it. And I, I'm not very, um, how do you say? Like I'm very, I'm, I'm not very happy or pleased on, on things that happened that I went through 
as a young man, to be honest with you, and, and people still do it, and kids still do go in Brazil, but there's a, that competitive edge to make it, to get out. And, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. They think the Robinhos of out there, the Neymars, and, and the David Luiz, they made it, and it was easy for them. And some, the funnel in Brazil is, is this thin. Too many kids and too many clubs, too many things to actually make it, in my opinion. That's that's just that. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's clearly lost on our on our culture here, um, for sure. Um, you know, I want to kind of uh, really highlight the fact that uh, you are you're an established outdoor player. You are. I, I've seen you obviously, and I you know, um, but you definitely have a, a love affair with futsal. Um, and I think it's more than just the fact that uh, you play futsal. There's, there's definitely a passion and uh, a belief that futsal is a, is a facilitator. It's a tool that, in your opinion, in, in the discussions that we had, that you believe that it, it can help the American product that it can push the game further in this country. And that's one of the things that I've always admired about you. You know, can you, can you kind of give me some of the details on why you feel that futsal is a something that's kind of, um, I don't know, uh, kind of an underrated game here. Um, but also why you feel that it's an important factor that it's something that we should as an American culture embrace? Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak out of opinion and not, not scientific research or any other official research, to be, to be fair here, to, to make it clear. Um, so, soccer and futsal, we all know, has a lot to do, right? And, but, but to be honest with you, a lot of the... Uh, especially tactical, individual tactical benefits that comes with the game of futsal already can be replicated if well coached, if we well um, planned. It just takes more thinking if, if we are as coaches, if we are engaged in adopting the small side of game benefits. This is my strong, strong opinion. If you're really, really thinking, if you're really, really studying the game, you're going to notice that the game, the space of this game has reduced, the outdoor game, right? The space that players are playing, it's here. I, I didn't grow up talking about body re orientation, individual tactics, right? Play between lines and have, you know, those little details that we nowadays we are educated about it. Um, weren't there back in the days, at least in my, my experience, right? And they all, they all in futsal as well. They all in futsal. But in my opinion, in my opinion, what, what is the biggest thing, for, uh, the, ben the biggest benefit, futsal to outdoor, it's in the young ages because of the control environment and because of the senses. If you're talking about a U8 kid, a six-year-old, seven or 12, playing with cleats on, high grass, low grass, rain, wind, bigger ball. You know, I'm not even talking about numbers of players on the field. Now, now let's talk about all of this in the same space. It's flat, flat surface, so that the player is like feeling that the senses are much better. And yeah, the space is reduced, like, well, but then, <clears throat> but then all those things that we can talk about now, the decision-making, right? The, the, the ball control, the, the technical, the individual technical aspects, as well as individual tactics. How are you going to defend? Are you going to force a player to a sideline? Are you going to, how's your approach when you are pressing someone? Are you covering for your, there's no place to hide in futsal. But it would be the same thing if we talk about like playing 4v4 in the outdoor game. So I don't want to even get into much de details like this, right? But the second thing, in my opinion, are the rules of the game. The rules of futsal brings a lot to it. Uh, I'm going to mention two. 
Okay, I'm gonna mention two right now. I'm not sure if you guys know when the ball goes out of bounds, the kid has four seconds once the kid puts the ball down, has four seconds to put the ball back in play. So that automatically forces not only the 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 player on the ball to think faster, but everybody else to get in a good position to receive the ball, either moving or not moving, or just opening their body, whatever, whatever it might be. Plus, the ball has to be on the line or behind the line. So I want you guys to try to picture yourself now. You're, you're, going, you're going this way, and you are a right foot player, and you are on this sideline. When you put the ball down on the, on the how are you going to kick the ball forward? How are you going to play the ball forward with your right foot? Because you can't step on the court. So now the kid has to move the ball there to make this, or maybe it's going to use the left foot, or maybe it's going to use a flick outside the foot flick. So all these little things for me, the rules, make a big impact. The second rule is a goalkeeper rule, right? There's a huge discussion in the futsal world about, especially in America, not, not so much in Brazil or Spain, about adapting this rule for the players and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very against it. Like you can only use the goalkeeper one time in possession. So once the goalkeeper releases the ball to a, a field player, you cannot play back to the goalie. So it forces the four, the four players on the field to find a solution to, to play. <clears throat> Unless the other team touches the ball, then you know it's automatically a different possession moment so you can play back to goalie. So all oh, so think about this now. Think about all of this, like how much that adds to the decision-making, to the problem, problem solving that we all wanna establish in our, in our kids. So again, without, without getting too much tactical and technical details, that's what I, that's what I would say. <clears throat> Chime in, you know, what was incredible about that whole statement, Sean, is, is the fact that I think in, in our country, we're so enamored by the technical aspects that futsal uh, brings that we totally miss the fact of the tactical implications that the game brings. And I, and I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm really glad that was emphasized because I think we, we, we have a romantic uh, view of futsal being, you know, it's all about tricks and, and, and this and that, but at the end of the day, fundamentally it's, it's it, the biggest thing is always decision-making in this game, right? Problem solving making and, and I, I, I love the fact that that was highlighted. So that was, that's amazing. Shy and, and, and defending. How many people when they're selling futsal programs or the game of futsal, the kids talk about defending? Right. right. Don't defend in futsal. Like it's, it's a four, if, if, you are, if you are a player who can't defend in futsal, it becomes a 4v3 game and you're in trouble. It's in more space. Yeah. So again, there's, there's, there's so much into it, right? Uh, and people think it's a skill game. I, I, I go against it. Like, if you don't have the skill, you can't play the game. It's, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a forever discussion. But, and people say it's a dribbling game. I, I think it's a passing game. No, Daniel, I think um, I agree with you. I think the beautiful thing that um, our game has, it has sections of games. You know, you have futsal. I don't think any other sports has this many sections under the main umbrella of football, soccer, where you have beach soccer, you have soccer, tennis, and all of it is professional street soccer um, in all aspects. I think coaches are getting clever now to try to create that on a grass field, those futsal rules on a grass field. But the things you can't implement is there's a, when you don't have soccer cleats on and there's a futsal shoe, just to step on a ball, roll it across your foot, quickly get it off. The movement on a harder surface is faster. Grass is going to slow down, even if it's a nice grass. Um, the futsal ball is heavier. I think Sean, uh, Shai can compliment on this too. In Iran, we even have this uh, plastic ball. And they cut it, put another ball in it, cut it again, put another ball it's all plastic the, the more layers you put the harder it becomes like a rock and it doesn't bounce so i think the purpose of a futsal it stays on the floor and they don't try to play balls in the air even though there are some balls they play in the air it's main to force it to be on the floor and keep it moving and the speed of play when it's on the floor it is bouncing bouncing the combination plays is forcing you to do 
um, like you just said, the four second rule, quick think, get it going, bounce it. You can't use your keeper. So what's the amount of players that are on the field? So it's not 11. So the amount of touches you're getting. So there's so much positives in it. And um, I think what you're doing, Daniel, in Chicago with foot, the, your Futsal Academy is brilliant. I think we need to start doing more of those because it's a layer of a game that will allow this country to even go into a better direction. Guys, and there's so much talent here. I mean, I've been running this Futsal Academy since 2014 with my partner, Drew Ducker. We started in Michigan, right, where I used to live. <clears throat> and I've been around the country, like many, many places, like in seeing kids out there, like I've been to international events where American kids are competing against the Brazilians, the Spanish kids and kids that have been playing futsal maybe longer. And there's so much talent here. There's so much talent. And, 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 like, and, and like you said, um, the, ability, the ability to play this game that's fast paced, that it's, it's quick thinking, can can bring so much can bring so much to us and i'm, I'm not even talking about here um, my my dream to see like a professional futsal league having like a professional futsal national program like national team program where it includes like u17s u19s and you know develop the game of futsal i'm talking about specifically about futsal to soccer here which is a little bit different conversation i feel there's so much so much we can do and to to better to better uh, support an argument here. I don't think there's any country on the planet with more facilities than the U.S. Every city has its own community gym. Every city has multiple schools with amazing futsal surface. And talk about the parks. Every tennis court. I'm talking about like better weather now. You know, the Texas, the Florida states out there. Talk about like basketball courts out outside. All you need is like a set of two goals, honestly. Don't even think about the lines right now. Eventually, and you see it, there's some companies and some people in the country doing a very good job trying to, you know, put futsal outdoor courts out there. In Chicago specifically, I believe it was like 5,000 in the state of Illinois here. 5,000 courts were recently built under their U.S. Soccer Foundation program. I believe it was the target owner who did it here in, in, in Illinois. And again, it, it, it's an impact that we hope to see like down the road, right? <clears throat> Listen, um, I had, you know, part of the thing here is also to help, uh, you know, uh, push and promote our coaches of this country. And like I said, I think you, you're, uh, in my opinion, one of the best guys that I've, I've rubbed shoulders with. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity, Daniel. Can you tell us a little bit? I know it's sometimes hard to talk about yourself and about what you're doing, but can you tell me a little bit about the, the Futsal Factory Academy and some of the goals and, and just see, you know, talk about how it's grown over the years and what your, your ambitions are with it? Oh, all right. <clears throat> so like I, like I previously said, we started the academy in 2014 in, in – in the Ann Arbor area in Michigan. And since then, we've grown to two locations in Michigan and Illinois, now we're in Ohio. And this winter specifically, even, sorry, this year, even going through everything right now, the pandemic, we are starting Windsor, Canada. So <clears throat> our program is based, is based on the support of other clubs, of outdoor youth clubs, right? We don't, we don't, pretend or don't aspire to be a club. We don't want to be a futsal club or a soccer club. We're literally a complement to players' development. We sell futsal as a player development tool, okay? Um, we run clinics, coach education for, for coaches in, in, in some clubs. And, but our primary program is our winter program. So of course, being in the Midwest, there's a huge demand for winter activities. Um, that's when usually youth soccer slows down, even though in recent years we've seen like these clubs doing more and more and more in the winter, demanding more of the kids, which is totally okay with us. <clears throat> but we form teams, right, in the winter. We have our evaluation nights. We don't call tryouts. We call evaluation nights where we put the kids together and we compete in futsal events only. We don't, we don't do leagues. 
We don't ask our kids for commitments every weekend. We have, and teams are gonna do between three to five, six tournaments during the winter, um, depending on their commitment, depending on the team that we form. Um, <clears throat> and then we have our other arm of the business, which is our tournaments, right? We, we run a tournament in Ann Arbor called Chocolate Milk Futsal Cup, originally called Michigan Futsal Fact Invitational, but the dairy department of Ann Arbor bought the rights of the tournaments. And we, we've been having between 120, 140 teams every year. It's a, it's a massive event taking three to five facilities every year. And that's ran in December. I believe last December was year number six or five of the tournament. <clears throat> and this past March was our second year in Illinois with our winter uh, Midwest Futsal Winter Cup, um, which is ran by the Illinois Futsal Factor Academy, which is me here. Um, so those are the tournaments that we run ourselves, right? And of course, we have summer programs, which basically camps. We have different level of camps. This, this year, it was my first opportunity to do like a futsal soccer camp. We actually found a facility, outdoor facility, so which, which was great. So we had the kids going from futsal to outdoor in the same day and, and vice versa. Um, but we have camps in Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, Michigan, and of course here in Illinois with me. Um, one, as far as, as far as the, the plan and where, where we want to be, we are currently in the scenario of like establish our franchise model. Like we start getting looks by people like, Hey, I like the brand. I like what you guys do. I would like to do something here. So we, we are, we're finishing our application. We are, we are interviewing people. We are talking to people about potentially opening a Futsal Factor Academy branch in other locations. So for those who are listening, for those who have interest in, in, in opening a Futsal Academy and you feel like you need help, you need some expertise, there's a, there's a list of things that, that we can offer um, in, in addition to the program. So feel free to reach out. I'm sure Sean and Shai are going to share my information here. Feel free to, to reach out at any point. But um, we're super happy. We're super happy the way that the Academy is going. Um, we, we're hoping this winter brings us an opportunity to continue with the program in, in Illinois here going through different options at the, at the moment. Uh, my partner, Drew Ducker in Michigan, the same thing with the two locations that we run there, West and East. Um, so excited, excited for what's, what's coming next. Daniel, I'm fascinated by your business model. Your business model is very unique because you're kind of set up as like a sports performance, but in a futsal factory format where you guys decided not to compete with clubs, but be uh, a platform for them. And that's very unique because it can get very tricky if you become a club. Now you're their competitor and they're like, oof, we got to come and destroy you. We got to just come and get you. But when you're kind of a platform to help them develop their players, it's very unique. Can you talk and why you decided to do, go that route instead of becoming a club? So Sean, that's a, that's a great question. We've, we've seen over the years since we started like, um, some academies and some futsal lovers like us who really believe in the game and do a great job like educating parents, educating kids, really going in that direction, becoming a club. Some of them including soccer, some of them just becoming a futsal club all year long. And don't get me wrong, we both feel, Drew Duck and I, that we, we, we could have done it at one point because throughout this journey we, we we get parents and kids who are like that's all i want to do i i want to play futsal all year long we don't feel one thing we don't feel there's enough the, the competition let's put it this way that's that's one major fact there's not enough competition for a full year program second um we 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 want to be perceived by, by, by clubs that we are helping them. We help them develop players. And because like I said, it goes back to the beginning of this podcast that we're doing here. When I'm, I'm talking about what I believe, I truly believe in futsal being like a, a development tool for soccer players. Um, yes, we could have on our own. We could, we could be a soccer club eventually, but 
it's not what we see at, the, at this moment. I feel like our model, our business, now talk about business, is to, to be this, to be supporters of clubs, right? And, and, and help them. And we still have our own program. Like I told you, the Winter Academy program, it's, it's our program. But clubs and coaches, especially because we're not interfering with their program, we pick a date, we pick, we ask for like very, very, very um, less commitment than, than club soccer. And we're not interfering with that program. So they feel there's no, it's a no brainer for them. You, don't get me wrong here. We're still going to see coaches like, why are you missing my winter league game to go to this futsal tournament with your futsal academy team? We still get coaches in some clubs like that. But overall, like in, in, in the big majority, it's, it's a no-brainer, and, and we get the support that we need. Fantastic. Sorry, Sean, did you have something to add? No, no, no. I, I was going to say that's fantastic. I, I, I was fascinated by that. Let, let's, uh, let's shift some gears. Uh, this is kind of something that we like to do with, uh, with when we have a guest. Um, you know, <clears throat> the, the big name that uh, stands out in, in futsal is Falcao, obviously. Um, I guess my first question is, have you, have you got to rub shoulders with him at all in your... Oh, yeah. I, I actually, this professional futsal league that I told you was um, a project of some business guys in, in, in the country. They actually brought Falcão and Ricardinho. Ricardinho is the biggest name right now, Portuguese guy. And they made like a Team Falcão versus Team Ricardinho thing at Disney, actually, the ESPN where NBA is being played right now. It was pretty nice, a very nice event. So I, I got to spend like four or five days with Falcon. I ended up like playing for Falcon's team. So training with him and then of course playing the game and, and going out to dinner. It was it was an amazing experience. He's an idol of mine, of course. As a I was I, I even told him I went to one of his finals when he was like a when he was playing for Atletico Mineiro, this this jersey here. He played a final against Vasco. This is Romario jersey, by the way. Futsal in a in a in but Maracanã, the big stadium that everybody knows here, there's the gym, Maracanãzinho, small Maracanã. That it was there. I was as a, I don't I don't remember how old I was, but I was young and Falcon was up and coming. He was the up and coming big name in futsal. It was amazing. It was amazing to to be able to meet him. So let me let me piggyback on that then. Uh, give me. Uh, the best player, it can be outdoor, futsal, indoor, the best player you've played with and the best player you've played against and maybe some reasons why. Oh. Yeah. One. So, best player I played with, right? Falcon won't count. Like, I didn't play with him in a team, right? I mean, I played with him for a special game. So I, I, I got to go back to my childhood mem memories, okay? So this kid, Toro, he's um, one of the, another story of players you, nobody knows about. And he was the biggest deal in Brazil that I've experienced. My, my age group, of course, but throughout my whole life, like knowing of kids younger and older, nobody was bigger than him until maybe, until Neymar came, to be honest, like big, big name. He was a number 10, African-American, like, you know, he was called the new Pelé everywhere he went. So when he started going like U15 national team, um, U20, like throughout those years, he would go to countries. He was the new Pelé, like, because number 10 attacking me. So I played futsal and outdoor with him for years, for years. It's a good friend of mine. I could spend vacation at my house or go to his house. I've never seen him, I've never seen anybody do things that he did like at those ages, like, right? He was very, very, very special. Um, ended up becoming a pro as a defensive midfield and winning titles for Flamengo and having a good outdoor career. Still playing, still playing out there somewhere. I think he's in, now he's in second division Japan right now, but I would have to see Toro. But you see, the other question was who the best player that I've seen? Played against. Oh, played against. Oh man, can be your indoor career as well. Can be doesn't have to be futsal. Anybody that you 
like, wow, this guy's, this guy's got the stuff. Well, I'll, I'll, again, has it been, exhibition match right playing against Ricardinho I ended up like defending him one v one two or three times in a game that was awful that was one of the worst experience the guy is like unreal <laughs> Ricardinho but um I would say my, my first national team called the U.S. we went Argentina and this kid number 10 at that time for Argentina national team Edu Avila he's he was up and coming he's right now he ended up not making the roster for the World Cup he was the up-and-coming, oh, he'll be the next Argentina guy. Everybody talks about him. He was special. To play against him on the court, he was probably 19 at that time, 2015. He was way too special. Like, you could see him do things that were unbelievable. But then there's some other names in Brazil I, that I played with and against that, that made at the, at, the, at the highest level, guys. Um, you know, uh, Diego Souza, it's a guy that I played with and against. He's a legend in Brazil, like played for big clubs. Now he's number nine for Grêmio. Um, Aroca, center mid for Santos, who won Betadores, won Brazil Cup, Brazilian League with Neymar Santos for years. Some of these guys that I played with and against, uh, yeah. Those are some of the names. Yeah, I mean... It's funny, and I, I truly appreciate hearing the names that you're talking about. It's not like the commercial names or any oh. aspect that we it, – it just reminds us how competitive this game is, how ruthless it can be, how fortunate and lucky you got to have a little luck on your side too because uh, that right coach seeing you because those what's so different about those players you listed compared to the ones that are playing in Europe, that one – time that one coach saw that one game that changed their life around because those players that you probably played with and we all know that we've had those people that maybe didn't that should have been like a big time player in the media aspect but we know can hold their own I mean it's just it just shows how this game is a popular game it is and you know it's uh it's great but I, I, was, I was able to play with a young, younger player than me, two years younger than me, Renato Augusto, seventh mm. mid for Brazil, last the World Cup. And he, he's a, we played for the same club many, uh, many years, but he was two years older, uh, younger than me. He's from 88, I'm 86. He was, of course, he was so good, he would come play with us, right? He was, he was something special. I saw him playing like a national futsal event, and he was destroying that event and his best battles his best battles in brazil at the 88 age group was against marcelo oh. Real Madrid. so both of them in futsal were amazing and and felipe coutinho is older right uh, it's younger even younger i think felipe coutinho is from 1990 isn't it i think it is oh my goodness coutinho coutinho is the one at liverpool not so long ago was given an interview and he 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 admitted like that at four at twelve or thirteen, he was leaning towards staying with futsal when when Vasco da Gama was making make a, 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 a choose between the two and he's like he, he he said he wanted to stay futsal he was kind of forced into outdoor because he was so good and yeah so Daniel just uh, as we as we close here. Um, What's on the schedule for U.S.? Do you guys have anything? I know prior to COVID, you guys, I think, um, if I remember, you were in Croatia. Um, did CONCACAF, were you guys able to do any sort of run-up into the CONCACAF, or has everything kind of been put on hold at this point? So, yeah. So, the, the new coaching staff took the job, like, last September and have done a tremendous job like identifying players, new players, right? That were not under the radar or they're not in their indoor league, for example, that could, could help the futsal national team. So they've held ID camps and team camps since September last year. But our first competition was um, a friendly tournament in Croatia. And that was in February, March. February, March. I, now I can't remember. Um, because CONCACAF was in May. So it's a brand new team, right? Like I mean, some returning guys like me, uh, a few others. 
and CONCACAF got pushed to next year, apparently not officially announced, but that's what we hear from the coaches, to May 2021. FIFA has officially announced the World Cup in Lithuania pushed to September 21, so one year as well. Um, we've had a Zoom, a Zoom meeting not so long ago. We have another one tomorrow to go over schedule. We're going to have what we call online training. We're going to have some tactical meetings, right? And we're going to have gym sessions starting very, very soon here because the plan is to, as soon as we allow to meet again, to have another domestic camp, another international trip, and before we go to Guatemala to CONCACAF in May, assuming we allow to. But that's, that's the plan. And real quick, uh, before we close, um, you have any uh, websites or anything you want to plug right now that we can uh, uh, have people follow you at? I mean, people are more than welcome to follow me on, on Instagram. That's the social media I use the most, and of course, Facebook. Um, my Instagram is dmartini7, just like the, the drink, spells like martini. And of course, follow our Futsal Factor Academy social media platforms. And the website is simple, futsalfactoracademy.com. Um, Illinois, it's IL Futsal Factor Academy. That's the, that's the at Instagram account. Same for Facebook. And we also have the MI, which is Michigan, MI Futsal Factory for Instagram and Facebook. John? No, I mean, it's, it's always good to talk to a current, current professional player as well. And I know you're in the game. I know, especially during this COVID time, um, this 2020 year we have, um, going through it as a player, as a coach, um, and the, the, the positive mindset you have in developing through futsal has been brilliant. So, no, it's, it was a great dialogue. Thank you so much. I know you have a busy schedule, Daniel, uh, and truly putting the time, we truly appreciate it. I know I appreciate it a lot. Shai appreciates it. Um, thank you again on my behalf. Well, guys, thank you. It's, it has been a pleasure. Of course, um, we've, um, I've known Shai longer than you, Sean, but again, we've been, we've been having a great connection. Again, feel free to reach out, anything you guys may need, um, futsal-related or soccer-related here in Illinois or from Brazil, feel free to reach out. It's my pleasure to help you guys and my pleasure to be part of the, the new show. You guys, it's, it's been amazing. Awesome. Well, Daniel, Sean, another great episode on the S2 Effect. Wishing everybody the best out there.